rather you live your life in vanity You traded all your hopes and dreams for insanity we're here today with Deacon Ronnie Lostavica, our pastoral care coordinator of the Restorative Justice Ministry for the Diocese of Austin, and Renee Brown, our Director of Counseling for Catholic Charities of Central Texas. I am Father Harry Dean, also in the Restorative Justice Ministry, serving incarcerated souls in the Gatesville area, as well as our officers and all the staff. And today, we're going to address, in a series of sessions, Anger Management. We have a lot of things going on in our world today. A lot of people are stressed. There's a lot of anger being dealt out. And God has given us wonderful gifts to be able to address anger and to keep ourselves in that charity and peace that is our oneness in Jesus Christ. You may be surprised to know that in addition to people who have resources in uh, the regular world to address anger issues in the incarcerated world, in our prisons, there are also resources. And Deacon Ronnie has availed himself of one of those resources and now is teaching a class on anger management. And from the uh, richness of that material and with Renee Brown's material as well, we hope to provide some really wonderful uh, applications, examples, practical strategies for helping us all with the anger that we face in our lives. So Deacon Ronnie, let me just throw it to you first and give us an overview and, and then take it from there. Thank you, Father Harry. Well, the, the source for our work that we're currently doing uh, and one of the TCA units is uh, the Cognitive Behavioral Workbook for Anger. Uh, it's a step-by-step program for success by William Noss, K-N-A-U-S, and uh, we found it to be um, a very good source, and particularly uh, the fine work that Dr. Noss has done in, in regard to anger management. Uh, it is cited a many, uh, gives us a pathway, if you will, uh, for uh, a direction. Um, the, uh, so I'll, I'll spend most of my time with you talking a little bit about the good work that uh, we've begun with it. I'd like to uh, quote a, a Dr. Uh, Gerstein. Uh, he's a um, clinical associate professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School, and he's a founding president of SMART, S-M-A-R-T, Recovery Mutual Aid Group Program. That is a cognitive program that's used in uh, many uh, state and uh, jails and prisons worldwide. And um, he concluded that, uh, Dr. Gerstein included that, Unconstrained uh, anger causes almost as many uh, incarcerations as addictions. Unconstrained anger causes almost as many incarcerations as addictions. And so um, this workbook that we're using uh, is uh, not only accessible, but it's, it's an engaging approach to enhancing the control of destructive anger. So all of our focus, for the most part, is, is on uh, destructive anger. Um, the Greek philosopher Epirus said once that what's disturbing people's minds is not events, but it's their judgment on events. Let me say that again. What disturbs people's minds is not events, but their judgments on events. And so... As we go through this uh, this workbook, and at least from what uh, we've been able to take from it, um, in short, we'll find that you you get angry because of the way that you look at things quite often. And so uh, anger, 
when you feel angered too often in many ways uh, that uh, and it's and to the harmful extreme, uh, we want to look and see what affects the quality of, of, of your life, what's affecting the quality of your life. And, and when your anger is affecting uh, those that are close to you, there's that collateral damage that comes uh, from your anger. And what this book has done is it's, it's, it's gone through and very well separates natural anger from what it refers to as parasitic anger. And I refer to that form of parasitic anger in that it, uh, it's attaching itself, its anger is a problem that you have, and it's, and it's harmful in a way that, that, a, that the same that a parasite is. If you think that uh, it, it, it's, it's an intake uh, that's attached to you that is causing more, more harm than, than your natural reflection would, would be accountable for. So um, the process that we uh, have used uh, for the very beginning was we did an anger uh, intake we did just a, a, a anger survey, survey, and the and this the the good work of Dr. Kanas has allowed us to just ask us some questions about um, uh, anger in general and your own on your own life and how things have come up. And very quickly, um, it went into um, nine factors, if you will, uh, that um, that looks at anger, causes of anger, and um, in doing so, we looked more closely at the natural versus the parasitic sides of, of the anger coin. So natural anger is an externalizing emotion. So with natural anger, anger you feel aroused to meet a threat, and your uh, sympathetic nervous system charges your body with hormones to go on the offensive, if you will, and your focus narrows on the external triggers of anger because this is efficient uh, when you face danger. Um, the most harmful of anger is the parasitic anger variety. And a parasitic anger uh, evoking belief is that I must be in control. That's one example. Or I must be smarter than everybody. And the world should comply with my wishes. Uh, gives meaning to the situation that invokes them and giving them the power to, to, to trigger and amplify anger feelings. So... Uh, it's a threat, if you will, to someone's uh, ego um, and their beliefs. So that first parasitic example would be that it's more me-centered. I'm centered. And, and I have this, con this control and this competition portion that I have to, um, have to, to satisfy. Uh, a, a second form of parasitic anger would be the parasitic blame. Uh, which is very a common force and in, 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 uh, driving force in anger. Uh, anger is normally an external emotion of, of going against something or somebody, uh, and we most accept reality most accept reality for what they believe they see without realizing that we are all orchestrated our experiences from within. For example, a blame is normally an externalizing belief that can evoke anger when blame extends into uh, condemnation. So you blame another driver for driving too slowly. That uh, just satisfies running the driver off the road, as an example. Uh, the other form of anger that we can see is anger that can be turned inward. 
Um, this is the person that suppresses their anger by trying to, to bear the emotion for fear of, of the social consequences, uh, fear of retaliation uh, if you exp- express anger, fear of losing control, uh, believing that it's impolite to express anger or more so. So they, out of fear, they just stuff their anger inside. And then anger um, is also is unrecognized uh, shadow emotion, and this would be um, the one that uh, precedes a prolonged and amplifying misery of, 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 of say, uh, depression. Um, the good news is that by lessening anger, you may reduce depression and anxiety uh, when these three conditions merge and combine. Uh, anger uh, also affects memory, uh, and it can pro, uh, promote tunnel vision. So we see that anger tends to impede our memory, causing you to remember fewer details. Uh, this loss can um, place limits on the information that you're able to take in to your memory for, for, for self-correction. So high-intensity anger narrows your ability to assess complex situations. Thus, higher levels of anger are, are, the, are more or less the perfect storm, if you will, conditions for repeating a parasitic anger p- pattern and gathering up, you know, at least continuing to produce poor results. And that in, in itself uh, sort of supplies a, a cognitive signature uh, for yourself. And people say, oh, no, here she comes again. Or, oh, no, here, <laughs> here he comes again. Um, and, and that's not healthy. Um, Anger and hostility are different, but they're related. Uh, you can be angry without being host- hostile. For example, if you're physically attacked, you <coughs> angrily ta- attack back. Um, this protective action is normal, it's functional, and it's temporary. Uh, hostility is lingering. It's bitter, it's vengeful feeling, fused through thoughts that, that, that can cause harm. And so hostility includes antagonistic acts and, and, and pleasures at others' mercy. Uh, so a natural anger towards another's hostility is normally appropriate. We wouldn't want to, we won't, we, we don't want to condone that type of behavior. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, anger and aggression are related, but they're also different. And uh, anger is an emotion. Uh, aggression is a behavioral expression of anger. Um, or hostility that comes in different forms. So it's, it's natural protective action against a threat uh, or an act to intentionally cause harm to others. So that's an impeding act to gain benefit. And then the, uh, the last one a factor uh, that uh, the, the, the text cites is an aggression and assertiveness that both ways are to respond to a problem. For instance, aggression, especially aggression blinded by hostility and advanced by rage is a red flag. So aggression is an impulse to hurt, often with little, if any, reflection. I'm just out to do this. And on the other hand, a, a assertiveness is more of a reflective judgment uh, upon a situation about doing just enough to bring about the change you want without needlessly harming others. So this whole... Um, setup, if you will, for anger is to um, help us to um, perhaps develop a, a path 
uh, when we're in a situation that's different, maybe perhaps than what we used to handle or, or that whatever we're confronted with. Um, and it, it de- develops by, first of all, we're confronted with the situation. Uh, we make a, a healthy appraisal of it, which is probably not our past practice, but we're, we're developing that as, as a way to, to, to see it differently. And then last but not least is, is to uh, employ a, a solution, if you will, to, to that, that particular problem. Renee, for everything that Deacon Ronnie just outlined from mm-hmm. this this program that he's teaching, and a lot of that would a lot of that be a kind of um, awakening for people that I fall into a lot of what he described aggression versus what was it, Deacon Ronnie? Versus, Hostility or, or no, the, no, the one that was oh, aggression, assertiveness. assertiveness right. Yes, assertiveness, right. Because it, it sounded like there's there's wiggle room for assertiveness to be healthy, whereas if Correct. it rolls into aggression, now we've got something that's unhealthy. But I think for a lot of us, as we develop those patterns and just become, quote, that way, we don't really think about that objective study and data and descriptions as who we are. And if you're sitting there and you're listening to that uh, at home, you might say, well, gosh, I've got some of that versus that. And I never really realized that somebody had taken a hard look at it and put that data out there Mm -hmm. and and grouped it together where one aspect of how I do my stuff is not healthy. And another aspect actually is I kind of thought it was all unhealthy or I kind of thought it was all healthy. (laughs) So how do how do we how do people become aware of that? Mm -hmm. And then what do we do once we we become aware uh, with with the things that Deacon Ronnie just gave us. Sure. So my information um, is taken from Therapist Aid. It's an online uh, uh, place where counselors can go to get you know support or handouts for for clients. But anger, in small doses, can be a good thing. You know, it can be a driving force for you know helping us express ourselves or defend ourselves if we feel like we've been wronged. Or if we feel like we need to protect our own needs. So so some anger is a good thing. It's when anger becomes out of uh, becomes out of control, where there's negative repercussions, um, if it's harmful to others and yourself, uh, or if there's unwanted consequences. And so um, anger can drive people to act in ways that are unpleasant or harmful to others. And so if you find that the relationships that you're in with others, your parent, your children, your wife, if it's becoming strained or um, very challenging, then that could demonstrate maybe that your anger is out of control. So one of the questions you could ask yourself is, you know, how is my anger impacting others around me? How does this impact my relationships with my wife, with my children? Um, another thing is anger is um, a problem if it hinders your ability to perform at school or at work or, you know, even in the um, incarcerated system itself. If you're having difficulty following rules, engaging with cellmates or, or guards or et cetera, then anger is something that you need to, you know, assess. And so it says, um, how has anger negatively affected your ability at work, at home or in other you know, situations where you're dealing with others. What effect is my anger having there? And then um, also it can um, be detrimental detrimental to your own physical health, right? Anger is that emotion that can take a toll on you. 
high blood pressure, heart issues, just some different things like that. So a question, um, anxiety, depression. How is my anger <clears throat> affecting my personal health? Even if we feel like our anger is justified, we have to look at the intensity of the emotions presented, right? So then it does, it gets into the hostility or the rage or assertive, you know, which of those techniques or where am I at in my intensity with the anger? Because anger can be a driving force for good, but it's intensity and and what level you're at with hostility or assertiveness. How does that, you know, affect others? I think it's a really important to be <clears throat> aware to aware of like maybe some warning signs you know, that that anger is becoming um, out of control. And so just some things that you can observe in yourself, it, is it like your mind goes blank? Um, is your body shaking? Is your hand shaking? So many, so many of our symptoms, if it's related to anger, anxiety, depression, there's a body symptom that goes along with that. So just being uh, very cognizant of your own body. And once again, is your body shaking? Is your hand shaking? Is your face turning red? Are you throwing things, you know, in your anger? Are you starting to sweat? Is your throat sore is from your... <laughs> yelling at people? Exactly. Yeah. That would be a great one. You know, do you start to feel hot, you know, like, or maybe you punched a wall, you know, you're throwing things, you're, you're becoming argumentative, maybe you're crying, um, or maybe you're just that person that, that shuts down. Um, maybe you find yourself like pacing in a room or getting a headache. So these can be some of the the warning signs that that your ang- anger is at a different as at a different level. And then the other thing, uh, other thing that I would encourage people to be aware of is maybe the cycle of anger because there is a cycle to how anger works. So typically, there's a triggering event, there's a negative thought. There's an emotional response. You get these physical symptoms, and then there's the behavior. This ties in beautifully to the book that that Deacon Ronnie is sharing with us because it's all about the cognitive and emotional aspects of anger. So if you understand this cycle, then you're going to understand kind of what's going on with your own body and that cycle of anger. So once again, it starts with that triggering event. And so you want to like what are my triggers? If you can learn your own triggers, that's awesome. Is it um, getting cut off while driving, having a bad day at work, or if you feel like somebody disrespected you, that could be that triggering event. And then the negative thought will come in. So it could be, you know, man, that jerk who cut me off in the road, they don't care about me. Or, you know, it could be like, I'm the worst parent ever. So the negative thought comes in. And then here's the emotional response. And negative thoughts tend to lead to an emotional response. And that's where a person may experience guilt or they may experience shame or rage, like that driver that cut me off. You know, now I'm feeling rageful against this person. And then those physical symptoms are going to come in and maybe my heart is racing. My fists are clenched up. I might be shaking. I'm sweating. I might be yelling in my car, whatever. Right. So there's these physical symptoms and then there's the, well, really the yelling would be more of a behavioral response. But after you uh, experience your physical symptoms, then there's going to be some behavior that will happen, right? And it could be arguing. It could be criticizing. It could be yelling at people. Um, and, and in terms of being in a car, you might just go cut the other guy off or, 
you know, you you get by them and honk your horn and do all sorts of things. Um, so that's where that behavioral piece comes in. Well, anger is very complex, as you've mm-hmm. just mentioned to us, Renee. And, and I think that um, in, in hearing you just speak about it, 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 it is definitely a signal. Uh, we can see anger uh, uh, in our facial expressions. We see it in our posturing, uh, our vocal tones, emphasizing this intent. You know, you need to do this right now. Um, so, um, and, and if a group, if you're in a group setting, uh, and you're threatened by another group, um, you perceive the fight, uh, it was that you either fight or you flight, right? Mm-hmm. That's a natural signal that something's fixing to happen. So the other thing that you mentioned is about the, the symptoms, you know, anger is symptom, uh, symptomatic. So oftentimes we'll find anger, uh, co-occurs with, with depression about 50% of the time. Um, it's a common among social anxiety or general anxiety. It's also present with shame. And then the other thing that we, we know is, and I personally experience this, if I'm hungry, <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the things that I can say that angry can also be a symptom of your hunger. You know, if you're, you've been going all day, hard all day, and you just haven't, you had, haven't had any meals, especially you missed two, two important ones, um, then you're just going to show up uh, as, a, as a symptom uh, that you need to eat. Or maybe it's a lack of sleep. Uh, for those that, that, that are on a, a short night, uh, uh, or maybe it's onset of, a, of, of the flu or, or, or a virus and so forth. So the challenge is to read the right, the signal right, and address the problem and that mm-hmm. symptom. I, I also think about anger is it's protective. An aroused, uh, an, ang- an aroused anger is a biologically charged state to advance against a threat. I think about a, a, a mother and her baby. You know, if something's going to come in and threaten that 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 baby, uh, she's going to protect it. And anger can also drive someone to correct an, in, uh, an inequality uh, or to protect a vulnerable person against a harm, mm-hmm. you know, that's around them. Which in spiritual circles we would call righteous anger. Righteous anger, absolutely, Father. And then the, the last thing is that you addressed, and I heard it very clearly because this is something we're all dealing with, is when anger becomes a problem habit, when it becomes a cognitive signature for yourself, that, that, uh, that parasitic anger now reflects a negative pattern of thought that's aroused in situations that you view as unacceptable hassles or challenges to your ego, violations of your expectations, and so forth, so on. Uh, these conditions of the mind are close to the surface of your awareness, but elude detection. And therefore, you'll go on until you make those them conscious and, and, and alter your automatic course. So mm-hmm. what you just said was so spot on in terms of being aware of the situation, being aware of how you deal with it, right. first of all, and then for you can be able to, to make a correction. I think it's so important that... Um, when you're working in the area of anger management, that people really work on those trigger pieces. And so I, I do, I have a, a worksheet that I love to share with my clients and it's identifying those triggers, a trigger, the way to think about it, it's a stimulus, right? It could be a place, a person, a situation or a thing, and it contributes um, this unwanted emotion. And then there's a behavioral response, right? And so one of the things that I always uh, encourage clients to do, and I give them the worksheet that I'm looking at now, but, you know, they look at the problem 
and and we all have more than one problem, but I haven't focused on one that seems immediate, right? And so you want to look at that problem, and then you want to ask yourself, like, you know, what are the triggers that contribute to this problem? And usually there's categories for triggers, right? And so it's going to be people, places, things, thoughts, maybe some situations that you're in that are going to trigger Um, You know, your anger, your frustration, your feelings of being overwhelmed, whatever that is, the triggers are creating that. And then the other piece that you want to look at is is trying to describe your three biggest triggers in detail. You want to describe it in detail. And then what is your strategy for reducing the stress or reducing the exposure to that trigger? So if a person is your trigger, if your mom is your trigger for for anger, for frustration, for being overwhelmed, whatever it is, then you could describe, you know, being around my mother and her being judgmental and always criticizing me is a trigger for my anger. Then what is your strategy for avoiding or reducing exposure to the trigger, your mother? And it would be, I'm going to spend less time with her. Or I'm going to talk to her for 30 minutes a week. You come up with a strategy that's going to work for you. And then describe your strategy for dealing with each trigger head on. Avoidance is never a good thing, right? We don't really want to avoid mom. What we really want to do are have some boundaries with her. And we want to be able to enforce those boundaries because it gives us more confidence. And we're going to feel less frustrated and less overwhelmed. So... Essentially, you want to know the problem, have your three cat, uh, know your trigger categories, person, people, places, things, activities, right? Then you want to know your three biggest triggers. You want to be able to describe your strategy for reducing exposure to that trigger. And then you want to describe your strategy for dealing with each trigger head on, not avoidance, but just that head on piece. So often, it seems like some of us who deal with anger on an ongoing basis can kind of begin to see it as that's just part of who I am. It's my personality. It's how I'm made. Everybody knows me as the angry priest or something like that. I've actually known a guy that was known as the angry priest. And um, and people chuckle. I mean, we get the exact Renee chuckled when I uh-huh. said that. That's the the uh, the reaction that you get. Do some of us who have anger on an ongoing basis just miss it? You know, you talked about a lot of awareness stuff. That's if you catch it. Mm-hmm. But can some of us just by being angry kind of just be um, blind to it in a sense? Oh yeah, I think absolutely. I think that happens in a, in a lot of uh, with mental health uh, pieces. You are not your anger, right? You're not your anger. Anger stems from other things, from being overwhelmed, from maybe feeling abandoned. There's these feelings underneath that create anger. Um, It could be sadness. It It could be that you don't feel respected. It could be that you feel isolated. There's all these feelings, but you yourself are not anger. You're not the angry person. You're the hurt person. You're the isolated person. You're the abandoned person, but you're not the angry person. That doesn't even exist. And and I think a lot of people, when they don't know what to do with emotions, they don't know what to do with feelings, and especially children, they just try to figure out who they are. And so I'm the angry person. 
you know, often in families, everybody has a role, right? There's the sweet kid. There's the smart kid. There's this kid. Well, I'm the angry kid. No, there's no such thing as an angry kid. That does not exist. Well, we've covered a lot of ground today, and we've got more to cover. We can repeat some of the things that we've already spoken. I'm thinking about those nine anger factors that Deacon Ronnie laid out. We could unpack every one of, one of those in, in detail. Uh, the good news is we have more sessions coming, and we will definitely bring them to you. This is a Restorative Justice Ministry for the Diocese of Austin. Our contributors today are Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, a, a deacon of the diocese, and Renee Brown, who is our director of Uh, counseling for Catholic Charities of Central Texas. I'm Father Harry Dean, also involved in restorative justice ministry. Let me conclude with a prayer for overcoming anger. Heavenly Father, your peace surpasses all my understanding. When anger rises within me, please calm my mind and soothe my heart with your gentle words. Fill my whole life with your perfect peace. May my personality be shaped by your peace rather than my frustration. With your Holy Spirit in my life, I can overcome anger. May I reflect your character, being slow to anger and rich in steadfast love. Look upon me and cause your face to shine upon me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. if you walk with me, Brother